0: Good to see everybody this morning, and it is truly a great morning whenever we get a chance to come together as a church and worship together, hear God's word together. That's a great day. My name is Darren Pluckelman, for For those of you who I may not have have gotten a chance to introduce myself to. And as a teacher, I'm usually pretty good at speaking in front of a group of people. It's kind of the job. But because of COVID and summer break, I'm, I'm feeling a little rusty. However, I've gotten much, much better at speaking in front of a computer. And so my goal today is to imagine that this is one big Zoom meeting. And so at any point I stop speaking, it's not because I lost my place it's because I'm still on mute, or the connection is slow, but it's definitely not because I lost my place. So I will ask you, even before getting started this morning, that you forgive me if it takes a few moments to kind of knock off the rust. So on the morning of October 2nd, 2006, Charles Roberts walked into a small one-room Amish schoolhouse in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. He ordered all of the young Amish girls to stand in front of the chalkboard and he started to shoot. He killed five. He severely injured five others and he took his own life. And just hours after the horrific tragedy several members of the Amish community went to the Roberts house, and they offered his family forgiveness. Stephen Nolt, a professor of Amish studies at Elizabethton College, says, For most people, forgiveness and acceptance come at the end of a long emotional process, but the Amish forgive first, and then every day work through the emotions of it. On the evening of June 17, 2015, Dylan Roof, a self-proclaimed white supremacist, attended a Bible study at the Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina. And motivated by hate, he shot and killed nine church members. And just 48 hours later, the The victim's family members attended Roof's bond hearing, and many of them offered him forgiveness. Nadine Collier, who lost her mother, was the first to speak, and and this is what she said. I forgive you. You took something really precious from me. I will never be able to hold hold her again, but I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. You see, for some of us, These stories, they make us angry. We believe that offering someone forgiveness means that you're letting them off the hook. We we can't seem to wrap our minds around this divine ability to hate sin while loving others. But for most of us, these stories, as, as tragic as they are, they touch our hearts. They, they inspire us to be, to be better. Yet, I believe C.S. Lewis was correct. Everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. We, we live in this strange day and age where liking something on Facebook or liking an Instagram post is seen as a a good deed, or, or being a good friend. The Bible, however, commands us to not just like the idea of forgiveness, but to actually forgive others. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind to one another, Tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And Colossians chapter 33, verses 12 and 13. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you You must also forgive. You see, for the Christian, forgiveness cannot just be a lovely idea. It must be a virtue that characterizes our life. So the goal of today's sermon is to motivate us to live that life characterized by forgiveness. But before we get into our text this morning, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, I want to address a common misconception. You see, forgiveness and reconciliation or a restored relationship, they're not the same. In fact, our text mentions reconciliation, it mentions peace, but it never mentions forgiveness. Forgiveness involves one person. But reconciliation, restoring a relationship, involves two willing parties. It's possible to forgive someone, but not seek reconciliation. Maybe it's not wise, or maybe it's not safe to seek a restored relationship with that person. Maybe the person just doesn't want a restored relationship. Maybe they refuse to admit wrong, or maybe they've passed away and a restored relationship just isn't possible. However, reconciliation and peace are impossible without forgiveness. Forgiveness is the prerequisite for a restored relationship. Forgiveness is the prerequisite for relational peace. So, grab a Bible. There are some on the ends of the rows. You can open up your Bible app, Or you can follow along on the screen. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to bring your word to your people. I know, Holy Spirit, that you are in this room. You are speaking through my words. And so I pray that you would Open up ears, soften hearts, that we might leave today ready to forgive those people that you place on our hearts to forgive. We praise you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So, what do we need to forgive? We need humility. forgive did you know that the word christian means little christ so as christians we are called to live like christ therefore in order to understand the humility needed to forgive others we need to first understand the humility of christ and in order to understand the humility of christ we need to answer this question who is jesus Verse 16, Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. This isn't a a birth position, it's a title. It means, verse, um, sorry, it means verse 16, he is preeminent over all of creation. It means he is greater than what we can see and what we cannot see. And it means he's supreme over anyone or anything in authority. Verse 17, Jesus is before all things. He is the uncreated creator who holds all things together. Verse 18, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. He is Lord. He's always been Lord. He will always be Lord. Verse 20, Jesus is reconciling to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. He is the prince of peace who restores the broken relationship between humanity and God. He will also one day establish a new heaven and a new earth where death shall be no more and neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. Verse 15 and 19. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Jesus is God. There's no one, there's nothing like Jesus. He has no rivals. Yet, the root of our sin is rivalry with God. It's pride. It's an overinflated view of ourselves. We think we know how life works better than God. Christian author Max Lucado writes God resists the proud because the proud resist God. So, if there has ever been anyone who has the right to withhold forgiveness, it's Jesus. And if there was ever anyone who deserves condemnation, it's us. But, praise be to Jesus, he humbled himself. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. He was in the form of God, but did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The creator allowed his creation to mock him, beat him, and crucify him so that he could forgive you and me. Just think for a second. How many marriages have ended in divorce? How many families no longer speak? How many friendships have been lost because the people involved refused to humble themselves and say, "I'm sorry. Please forgive me." Or, "I really hate what you did." But I am a fellow sinner who needs to be forgiven. Who am I to withhold forgiveness from you? Jesus humbled himself and forgave us. And he is calling us to humble ourselves and forgive others. A servant isn't greater than his master. We also need to make the choice to forgive. Verse 20, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus knew that we would choose rivalry instead of relationship. He knew what our decision would do to his creation, and yet he still chose to create, knowing that he would also need to choose to forgive. Jesus chose the cross. It was his cross. No one one took his life. Jesus laid his life down so that he could forgive you and me. Did Jesus wait for an apology? No. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Did Jesus listen to his feelings? No. No. It was from the cross, the place of his death. As he was dying, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I don't know about you, but in that moment, that's probably not what I would have been feeling. Was it easy? No. On the night before Jesus' death... He prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. That very same night as he's, as he's sitting and, and thinking about the cross to come, he is filled with such great agony that he begins to sweat blood. In fact, an angel comes to strengthen him. It wasn't easy in the slightest, but he made the choice to forgive. Jesus chose to forgive us, and he is calling us to to choose to forgive others. A messenger isn't greater than the one who sent him. Will we receive an apology? Maybe, maybe not. But we must choose to say, I can't control what others do, but as for me, I will serve the Lord and I will choose to forgive. Will we always feel like forgiving others? No. No, we won't. But we must choose to say, I will choose to trust in the Lord with all of my heart. And I will choose to lean not on my own understanding I will submit to Him because I trust Him. I trust that He will make my path straight. I will choose the path of forgiveness. Will it be easy? No. There's nothing more difficult in this life than choosing to forgive. But when it's hard... We must choose to say my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. So I'll choose to forgive because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But here's the problem. Forgiveness sounds great. We love Reading stories on Facebook and, and seeing pictures on Instagram. And we love to like them and we love to talk about forgiveness. But getting even and holding a grudge, if we're honest, it just seems more natural. And this makes sense. What happens when you overinflate a balloon? It becomes weak. And it's easily popped. You see, our sin, our overinflated view of ourselves has made us weak. We are easily injured. And so revenge is our sinful attempt at patching the hole that only God is able to fix. The truth is, you and I, we're not strong enough to rise up and live this life characterized by forgiveness that Jesus is calling us to live. But, thank God. Thank God that Jesus, our gracious Lord and Savior, doesn't just command us to go and forgive others. He gives us the power to do so. So who do we need to forgive? Jesus. We need Jesus to forgive. John chapter 16, verse 7. I, Jesus, tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. When we, by faith, humble ourselves, and choose a relationship with Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit who was pleased to dwell within Jesus at his baptism, empowered his ministry, caused the blind to see, the lame to walk, the sick to become well, and the firstborn of all creation to become the firstborn from the dead. By the power of the Holy Spirit, We can live a life characterized by forgiveness. But that's not all. Verse 20, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus didn't just restore the broken relationship between humanity and God. He will also reconcile and bring peace to all things. Jesus doesn't just empower us to forgive others. He uses our forgiveness to do far more than we could ever ask or even imagine. Jesus wants to use your forgiveness to possibly save that family member that you've been praying for for years through your forgiveness Jesus wants to transform your family in ways you never knew were possible new adventures new traditions holidays dinners restored because of your forgiveness he wants to use your forgiveness to grow your faith and draw you closer to him than you've ever been before. He wants to use your forgiveness to set you free from the bondage of the bitter pill of anger and resentment, and he wants to bless you with the peace of God that surpasses all understanding He wants to use your forgiveness to do more than you and I could ever understand. So, who does Jesus want you to forgive? Your spouse? A parent? A family member? A friend? Who is it that he's calling you to forgive? Who is it that he wants you to forgive? You know, maybe the person that Jesus wants you to forgive is yourself. Some of us, we walk around with such baggage. We aren't able to really move forward from our past. Maybe today is the day that you finally believe that there's no condemnation for you anymore. Because as far as the east is from the west, he has removed your transgressions from you. Maybe today is the day that you finally begin to believe that's true. So I would like to finish today's sermon by reading a short section from the book Forgiven, written by Terry Roberts. On October 2nd, 2006, my firstborn child, whom I had cradled in my arms, overseen his first steps, taught to love and serve God watched grow into a gentle, hard-working man, a loving husband and father, this beloved son walked into an Amish schoolhouse with an arsenal of guns. Before it was over, five precious young girls were dead, and five more were seriously injured, and my son had taken his own life. Suddenly I had a new identity, the mother of the Amish schoolhouse shooter. I can't describe my devastation, the gut-wrenching pain, the nights of anguish, all those sweet young lives, families, and our own family changed forever because of a single senseless act of evil and rage committed by my own dear son. I would survive this tsunami. I found myself hanging on by my fingertips as the storm battered my body, inexorably loosening my feeble grip. What kind of mother was I, that my son could do such a thing? Where was the God who'd been with me in all the other storms of my life? The God whom I taught my children to place their trust. Why hadn't he stopped this? Where was the single ray of light, of hope in the darkness? I couldn't see the light. I could not hold on. But even as I found myself swept away by this rogue tsunami wave, in the darkest depths of my pain, I felt loving arms enfold me. And in surrendering to to that sweet embrace, I was reminded that survival is not the only word that starts with the letter S. It is in surrender that I found balm for my pain surrender to the one who had been with me through every storm and who had not abandoned me in this one we live in a society that glorifies survival that teaches us to seek revenge when wronged to come out on top i had to brace myself for the inevitable hate and vengeance instead i encountered love beyond understanding Forgiveness from the very Amish families whose daughters my son had swept from their arms. And I discovered by their example that submission and surrender, love and forgiveness are not weakness, but the strength our world so desperately needs. Ongoing interaction with the Amish community has profoundly touched and changed my life. Together with them, I've found release from the bitterness, anger, and fear in mutual forgiveness and love. It hasn't been an easy journey. But step by step, day by day, I've found the strength to move forward, to love forward. In my reflections over time, I'm in awe of how the Lord has provided opportunities for me to praise Him, when in the natural, I should be sorrowful. And this is the part that always seems to get me. All these years later, I found myself in a spacious place that I can barely explain. Today, I write these words sitting in my sunroom, a gift from a compassionate Amish builder, drinking in the calm serenity, listening to the birds singing, enjoying a soft breeze on my face, and I marvel at this realm of peace that has come only through surrender and letting God fill the dark recesses of my heart. It boils down to this. And you have to answer this question for yourself. Is forgiveness the better way to live? Is it possible when Jesus tells us that we must forgive one another, that he means it? Is it possible that Jesus, the Lord of all things, knows a little bit more about how life works best than we do? I can't answer that question for you. You need to answer for yourself. Is forgiveness the better way to live? So if your answer is yes, then let's go. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, let's humble ourselves. Let's choose to forgive others because Jesus humbled himself and he chose to forgive us. Let's pray. Father, you have called us to such an incredibly mighty task. But we trust, Jesus, we trust that if we choose to forgive those people that you've placed on our hearts. And maybe maybe we don't tell them today. And maybe a restored relationship is impossible. Maybe it is. But maybe today we just take that first step and we choose to say, I forgive them. And by your strength, I'm going to trust that I'll have good days and I'll have bad days but that every day you are with me. And you are going to do things to my faith that I would have never have dreamed of. And you're going to do something far greater than just my simple words, I forgive you. I don't know what it is that you are wanting to do through us right now, But I do know that you want to bless us with a holy pride because you are letting us participate in your redeeming work. And so as we worship you for the rest of this morning, fill us with joy. We are a forgiven people, and we're not just a forgiven people. We are a people who enjoy a relationship with you, and so no matter where you send us, you are with us. And I pray when we leave this building, that you would would churn in our hearts and churn in our minds Stir us up to go and choose to forgive no matter what that looks like. Start us on that journey, that journey of a life characterized by forgiveness. Jesus, you love each and every one of us. We're so grateful that you've even brought us here this morning to worship you. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for the power that's in each and every one of us. We love you, Jesus. Amen.